The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Happy Valentine's Day, Ryan. Thank you to my practically my common-law husband. That means a lot. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, I didn't get you any flowers, though. I feel kind of bad now. Oh, well, you know, we've, we've been together for a long time. The spark sort of you know, whittles down. It's been almost 20 years, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're just going through the motions at this point. Where did the magic go? Yeah, and God knows it's been forever since we've been intimate. I mean, you know. (laughs) Too far! (laughs) Too far! (laughs) Well, I'm cool. Where's the subtlety, man? Like, there's... Like, the joke was below the surface where it was supposed to be. Like, we were hinting at it, hinting at it, and you're like, sex! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is off to a good episode this, let the joke you know you know be implied okay dan <laughs> that's an inside joke thanks yeah <laughs> all right um we got a lot of great stuff today but first let's we tell. do have great stuff well good reiteration just are you saying like i said we had great stuff and listeners like well screw him i don't believe him and then dave says oh we have great stuff oh i trust dave well now we've got multiple opinions on the subject <laughs> I've cor- confirmed corroboration. We have great stuff yes, today. Now th- it's it's a group. There's more than one. That's true. All right. Before we get into that great stuff, let's tell people how to find us. You can contact the Break the Business podcast at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions on how to create more quality content like we've given you for the first two minutes of this show, uh, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and tell us how. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D-K-A-Y-E-1027. It rolls off the tongue. Um, if you are on SoundCloud, you can rate, review, our shows, you can subscribe, follow, you know, follow us, and then you get each episode each week. You can also do that on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. You get every episode when it comes up every Sunday. You don't have to look for it each week. And, uh, you know, say some nice things about us. It helps us, you know, kind of move up the iTunes algorithm. We're trying to, you know, move up in the world. And oh, absolutely. by the way, over- underlying all of that, most important point, tell a friend. You like the stuff that we're doing around here? Tell people mm-hmm. about... You know, the stuff I'm doing, tell people about Dave and his Metal Minute and his As Yet Untitled Game Show and uh, his lack of subtlety with jokes and all the things that make this show magical. Uh, yes. And and also here, I, I know this, you already have a commercial for it, but uh, I feel inclined to say, because I'm got i holding it right in front of me, folks. Okay. The hard copy. This is the first time I'm actually holding this thing. Break the business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry by Ryan Carilla. Oh, thank you very much, Dave. And so you actually have to be holding the book in front of you and reading the title to actually get the title right, it would seem. Yes. And even then, you all, I, I, yeah, I thought you were struggling with it a little bit. And I, know, I noticed I don't have a blurb on the back. You don't have a blurb because most of the things you would say about my book are mean just to be funny. So I had nothing I, to put on the back. What are you talking about? I think I, I submitted some good ideas to the publisher. I put, this is in fact a book. <laughs> it has pages. Yes. Uh, um, if you find yourself in the wilderness, this will be good kindling. I'm not even sure if that's true. I'm not, I, don't, I cannot attest to the paper quality. No, I think you actually need a Kindle for that. But Or Amazon Fire, maybe. 
Oh, a twofer. Yeah. That's why he's here, folks. That's why he makes the big bucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for the thanks for the book club. Did you see, I, I threw a. Uh, you were in the acknowledgments. I am in the acknowledgments. It's really nice, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I liked. Uh, you know, I wasn't first on the acknowledgments, which I'm okay with. You know, I guess your your mother who brought you into this world. Yeah. Got first billing, which is nice. You know, I, I I can see that she definitely does good work and everything. She does good work. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's a real player in the mothering industry. Yes, we we love you, Susan. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh. every, every, every everyone's mother here at the Break the Business Show. And um, no, but I I I I yeah I yeah I, uh, I noticed that I got some top billing over some people. I'm like, yeah, yes, you're like you're like kind of in the middle there, and as well you should be. You're 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 a big contributor. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. You're in the middle, as you should be. Well, I mean, you're not family, <laughs> but ow, you're not literally family. You're like like you're my brother, but like you know, my mom brought me into this world, as you noted. But you are ahead of a lot of people, and you should be because you know you, you come in on this podcast each week. People love you. You make people laugh, and so I'm. I'm very thankful for the stuff you did well, you know, I, for the whole project. Well, hey, man, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm here, and I'm also thankful for the shout-out. And I am thankful that on the uh, the next book, I'll have a byline in there as well. And it's going to be more of a collaboration and um, all these things and royalties and money. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. So you're making jokes, but I, what makes you think I would not love to write a book with you? I'm sure it would be much funnier than the book I've written. Okay, Blackjack, no take back. Is that a thing? Yeah, that, well, that's a, that's a valid contract, folks. You know, <laughs> it's the thing you got to learn about, folks. Is it's not just the, the the great legalese that Ryan Scott for you in that book. It's also great things like that, like blackjack, no tayback. You know, possession is nine tenths of the law. All these things. Coming up next on the Break the Business podcast in the second segment, <laughs> I have no idea what to do with that. Um, we have we have a singer songwriter coming in in the B block, Krista Hartman. Uh, all the way from Canada, and mm-hmm. uh, even though she's all the way in the great white north, uh, she's found a place in my heart because her music is awesome. She does some great stuff with her career. Yeah. I love the song we're going to play. I know. Can, I, like, How's this for a podcast tease? You ready, Dave? Uh-huh. People should stick around for this interview if for no other reason that that song is awesome. It's one of my favorites that we've played on the show. Absolutely. One of mine, too. Which which says a lot coming from you because you like the harder stuff. You like the metal, hard rock. You know Dave's metal minute, the yeah that, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. But yeah. this song still appealed to you. Uh, it's called. No, no, it's a great song. Yeah, it's called Dreamcatcher. We're gonna play it during Krista Hartman's interview, and she's just a she's a treat. She was Absolutely, great. Yeah. So that's coming up in the next segment. Before we get to Krista, want to talk a little uh, bit of music business news. We had a great article um, that I saw in Music Think Tank. Mm-hmm. that I want to talk about because it sort of hit home for me because I've done some of this work uh, in my entertainment law practice um, about musical reality show or just reality show contracts. Right. And we actually uh, talked about this a number of episodes ago, uh, I believe back in 2015, about Adam Levine when he criticized uh, in a publication an interview he gave sort of you know NBC's model for The Voice in terms of like how restrictive those contracts and are. And how it ex- those exploits artists. Yeah. Exactly. And so it would appear that Adam Levine has been given his own reality show on NBC. Well, this is good. This is his chance now. This is his chance to make things right, uh, to to be pro-artist. And so he is, it's in the process, I guess, creating a new show called Songland. And I'll tell you, I, I in principle, I think the premise is interesting. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's instead of American Idol and The Voice and X Factor and all this stuff, which are basically glorified karaoke competitions. Right. Where, you are singing someone else's song. Right. Which, by the way, is a terrible way of trying to pick who the next big star is going to be. Because just because you can sing another person's song well doesn't mean that whatever songs you make are going to be good and people are going to want to buy them. You know, what, what I, I like to tell people is in the beginning of an artist's career, it is the song that promotes the artist. And when the artist is established, it's the artist that makes the song a hit. In fact, I think the only time I can think of, and maybe I'm not sure if you know about this guy, the only time where it pays to be like a karaoke person, Journey. Journey? You know that guy? Because, you know, um, Steve Perry is no longer a singer Journey, right? Right. There was this guy in the Philippines that loved Journey, and all he did was sing Journey and basically became like a Journey cover artist, so much so that Journey hired him as their lead singer. Wasn't this also the plot of the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? I never saw that movie. Like, he played, uh, he was a member of a trip, I can't believe I remember this movie, it was so bad. Um, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg plays uh, the a member of a tribute band for, like, a famous was rock it called, band. Like, Dragon or something? Dragon? No, it was called Rockstar. No, 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 the band in the movie. Oh, I don't know, I can't remember, but... He played. He was. He was a member of the tribute band, and the tribute band like dumped their lead singer, and you know brought in Mark Wahlberg to be the new lead singer. And just the whole thing was improbable because, I mean, he's supposed to be like a rock star, and he's got like no no success or no anything. But mm-hmm. his girlfriend is Jennifer Aniston, right? And like you're supposed to be like, yeah, that's plausible. Do with like no money and no career prospects. Like you know, one of the most beautiful women in the world would surely want to be with him. Well, but that's what happened in Office Space, too, now that I think about it. Oh, that was even more improbable. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston has built a like a movie career out of being the girlfriend that was way too good for whatever guy she was with. I wonder if the writers of those movies were trying to say something. <laughs> what do you what do you think was on their agenda? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she dated, you know, you know, Ron Livingston's character in Office Space, Peter Gibbons. Yes. Ooh, wow, uh, gotcha. You know, the the uh, lowly middle, ma- not even middle management, just grunt office worker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was with him, like, for reasons escaping my understanding. And then in Rockstar, she's with, you know, the musician who's got no money and is completely down on his luck. Right. Like, yeah. you sure can pick him, yeah. Jennifer yeah. Aniston. But anyway, sorry, sorry to digress. The whole point yes. of that was I can only think of that one instance where devoting yourself entirely to the catalog of someone else who was worked out. Exactly. Um, so Songland is trying to do something different. This is a song writing competition ah. where, I mean, granted, I, you know, the details are still sort of being ironed out, but the right. idea I think is that you're going to submit an original song and then try to get famous based on your own work, which I will admit does seem like a much better way to try to find the next big star because mm-hmm. ultimately in the new music industry, you can't just be a good singer anymore. There's, you know, with, unless you can also bring songwriting into the equation and all the royalties that come with that, there's just not going to be enough money to, for mm-hmm. you to live off of unless you can also write like the days of Whitney Houston and that kind of thing where, you know, you can just have a good voice and people will write songs for you and you'll be a millionaire. Right. Those days are done. Like you need to also be able to write. So Songland is kind of capturing that. And as you were noting before, you know, this idea that Adam Levine thinks artists are being exploited on reality shows. So he's going to create one that's, you know, Going to hopefully be pro artist. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. It was Howard Stern. That's what the interview he gave, and he was like, "That's right." Thank you. It. Yeah. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, 
Uh, according to this uh, music think tank article, 10 reasons why you should not enter a musical reality competition. The contract for this song, oh God, I remember, song land, song, song land, land show. Yeah. I don't know. I keep wanting to call it song cloud, song world, kick. song yeah. kick. It sounds like a, like a, a show on showtime. That's going to be really, really intense for no reason. <laughs> exactly. No song land. Mm-hmm. The contract for this show is, at least according to the article, because I haven't been able to get a hold of the actual contract. I've only seen the pieces on this article. Really predatory. Hmm. You know, <laughs> not pro-artist at all. Not respectful to artists at all. And, you know, I kind of expected more from Adam Levine, given what he was talking about. But, yeah. I mean, all that being said, you know, let's walk through some of the pieces in the contract that this Music Think Tank article identified. Right. If for no other reason that for the artists listening out there, you can get an idea of what you're going to be in for if you get into one of these competitions and then ask yourself, is this really the route you want to take? Because I think a lot of artists out there, they see these shows like American Idol and X Factor or whatever and think, okay, quick, you know, sort of a fast track to the top, you hey, know, free exposure. That's right. You know, why, you know, why climb the mountain when I can, you know, get a Sherpa or just take one of those uh, gondola things that mm-hmm. you know they have in, you know, Utah or Colorado when you go skiing. Um, you know, why, why, why do it the hard way? A just ski lift. But the, isn't, aren't the big ones called gondolas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, was that correction necessary? Well, I don't know. I mean, just, you could have said, you know, go, go, thank go, you. Go. So <laughs> gondola, ski lift, you know, anyway, I think tram, they might also call them sometimes. Forgive us, rest of the country. We're from Miami where there, are, where there's neither any snow nor mountains. And so yeah. we're struggling on this. No, it's flat. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this author of this article, who is a independent hip hop artist, he doesn't put his name in there. At least I couldn't find it. Huh. Um, Interesting. <laughs> but uh, he might just be the person who does this blog. But okay. he, you know, he 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 reads through the contract and and just you know not from a lawyer's perspective, but just says, "Oh my God, this looks terrible." Mm-hmm. And you know some of the stuff that he he uncovered in here was really shocking. But anyway, as I was saying before, you know a lot of people want the quick route up the mountain if you're an artist and you know this article will show you why that might be dangerous. So the first thing he identifies in the article when reading the contract is they have a privacy policy that essentially allows the show uh, Songland and the production company to sell your info to third parties. So that's a little okay. So right off the bat, that's a little weird. Yeah. You're going to get just spam email. Yeah. So from uh, a show. Yeah. So, you know, you sign up for one of these shows and all of a sudden you're getting, you know, you're getting spammed with a whole bunch of things for how you can make certain parts of your body, you know, longer. Mm hmm. Um, in, and in terms of how it affects your music though, this one I thought was pretty shocking. Cause again, Adam Levine was all, we're not going to exploit artists on this show. And then as a clause that basically says, um, by signing this agreement and putting your song on our show, you're waiving all rights to mechanical royalties, synchronization royalties, and performance royalties. That's shocking to me. One of the best reasons to get your song on television, whether, you know, it's synced in a movie or a TV show or something like that, like what Mary Jennings, one of our guests, right. does all the time, mm-hmm. is that there's big money to be had there. You yeah. can get money for syn- you know just the synchronization license, which is the right to actually have them synchronize your song with video on the show. That can usually be a pretty hefty sync fee, particularly for network television. Right. Um, secondly, there's performance royalties on the back end. When your song is played all over the country, you get performance royalties for that. And that can be pretty significant. Just ask mm-hmm. the Rembrandts who... 
you know, have been, you know, making millions off of I'll Be There For You on Friends every time that show is played anywhere. I'm glad you said the song because I would have been like, with the Rembrandts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, wait, they, another bar, we would have to pay for it. That's right. <laughs> They've never had to, I mean, like, you know, they never were going to worry about money again because they're getting performance royalties for oh, yeah. there for you. So, like, they're asking you to wave a ton of money, and particularly when this is supposed to be pro artist. Yeah, it's also about you, but it's actually now the, the company's just saying, oh, we'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a multi-million dollar media company that doesn't want to give you any money for playing their song on television. Never mind the fact that when shows like American Idol are playing other people's songs, you better believe they're paying those folks royalties. Mm -hmm. So why are we treating these artists any differently? Um, and if that were it, like that would be shocking enough, but the contract gets worse. Oh boy. Um, this, this author in this, uh, music think tank article also notes that as a condition of being on the show, you have to take a psych exam with um, okay. a studio psychologist. All right. Because they, they're going to maybe put you on air. They want to make sure everything's okay and kosher. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, I can't like, I can't blame it in principle. They, you know, they want to make sure you're not that the person they're going to put on TV is not a crazy person. You know, although I don't know why it has to be the studio psychologist and not like your personal psychologist who just writes a letter to the show saying he's cool. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. But whatever. And if that were it, that'd be OK. If I was a lawyer advising a client on that term, if that was it, I would say, all right, it's not as good as if, you know, it was just a third party psychologist. But, you know, we'll eat this term because maybe we'll get something else somewhere else in right. the road. But it gets worse. Oh, boy. Because. They are allowed to, according to this agreement, use the information from that psychological examination on the show. Oof. See, okay, we are not psychologists. We are not doctors or anything. So they have their own ethical issues and rules and uh, psychologists do, yeah. Pro yeah, professional associations to deal with. I cannot understand how that works. I don't think that's legal. Because, I mean, now, granted, okay, they work for the studio, right? They work for the company and i'm pretty sure they're they're up front well obviously it says so studio psychologist hey i'm not here for you guy you know yeah but still make wow you actually go and you talk to them and they just tell basically go tell you the, the other guy the big boss all right so i was talking to this guy jane smith uh john smith sorry that's part of his problem um <laughs> Oh he, he's so, he's so messed up. He has no idea what's going on. He's you know he's got ten voices in his head, and uh, you know he really has a problem with Adam Levine in particular. And you know, yeah. We now we, we we could you know not have him on for the safety of, the sh uh, of our host or or ratings. Oh, yeah. The producers like writing all this down. Ooh, ooh, he was a bedwetter till he was nineteen. Oh, that's good. That's good. We'll we'll use that. Yeah. Um. Hey, and do we think we can get any records unsealed? Maybe. <laughs> And so it makes you wonder what this psychologist is for. Are they really trying to make sure they're not putting a crazy person on the show? Or are they just looking for more ammunition? Are they looking for more storylines? And that seems like a gross miscarriage for why you're supposed to be having psychologists. Yeah. So that's... This is all sounding quite disgusting. Yeah. And so speaking of, you know, finding information about you to use on the show, we'll call this like the triumvirate of creepy you know, investigations to find things for the show. Second piece, after they've done get, getting everything from that you could from the psychologist, you know, you're sitting there on the couch telling them all your deep, dark secrets, which mm -hmm. are now going to end up on national television. They are also allowed to, under this contract, talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to your employers, even look up your motor vehicle records, do a background check and check your military records. Look at your consumer reports, basically look at every deep, dark corner of your life and interview anybody they want 
and they can use that stuff on the show. Wow. Meanwhile, this guy just wants to write a song. Right. This guy just wants, you know, you're just trying to get exposure. And that's an important thing. Don't forget this. You know, when you're thinking about these, you know, going into one of these shows, you're trying to become famous. They're trying to get ratings. Those are two very different goals. They're diametrically opposed. They're often diametrically (laughs) opposed, right? Because they're going to get far more ratings by destroying you than Mm. by building you up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, make no mistake, if they can chew you up and spit you out for a few extra, you know, for for a a 10 share instead of a 9 share, you better believe they're going to do it. They want a trend. Right. So, you know, hey, man, this is a normal guy with a normal life. Ain't that sweet? Yeah, he's got two kids yeah. and a dog. Yeah. Versus, oh, we're totally going to put out there that this guy cheated on his wife, you know, has committed fraud against the IRS and everything. And we're kind of hoping we're getting an arrest down there. This would be great. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, so you got all that boiling around. And so that's part two of them. You know, oh, only cre- part two. Yeah, because remember, there's three parts here. Oh, that's right. So you also have in this agreement that they are allowed... And this is, by the way, I mean, every reality TV show deal I've seen has some version of this, and it Mm -hmm. creeps me out every time, where they're allowed to basically say whatever they want about you, edit you however they want to, distort the things you say, take things out of context, add things that aren't there, and portray you however they want. And by the way, use all of the stuff that they've accumulated to help with that portrayal. And here it is, ready, drum roll, you are waiving your right to sue in connection with any part of the your participation on the program. Wow. So all the things that would normally be um, available to you if they lied about you, mm-hmm. defamation, libel, false light, all uh, public disclosure of private facts, mm-hmm. you're waiving all of it. So they can make you look like a monster, you know, grossly false you know, portrayal of you for the sake of ratings, and you can't sue them. Okay, so it was going to be a surprise for Valentine's Day. But I signed you up for the show. <laughs> I, I, I used your name and everything, and then I wrote it. So, you know, congratulations, man. I, secret, I secretly recorded you while you were singing in the shower. That's going to be the song we submitted. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, 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 that's all part of the background check and two stuff and everything. It's going to be fun, man, from the inside. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's funny. I remember some time ago for pro bono work because Mm -hmm. again all these artists they don't have money (laughs) you know a lot of these independent artists who are you know who have the opportunity to do these reality shows they don't have any money and so for a favor i looked at one of these Mm -hmm. and of course it looked something like this this was this was years ago i'm not going to mention the show or the client obviously and i asked this client you know i mean first thing i told him was look we're not going to ch- be able to change any of these terms. You have no leverage. Yeah, this is ironclad. Right. This is this is what we like to call in the legal world an adhesion contract. Yeah. Because if you if you are willing to if you don't want a part of this deal, they'll cast you aside and find somebody else who is willing to do it. You yeah. have zero leverage. You you are not famous. You have nothing to bring to the table, and you are absolutely replaceable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can't change any part of this agreement, and it's a crappy agreement. You know, I remember telling this client, why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it make more sense to build yourself up, create 
you know, an independent presence for you. Take advantage of all the stuff that's available for you on the internet and with, you know, distribution sites and creating your own website. Build yourself up a little bit. Get yourself some career recognition, some Twitter followers, get some money in the bank, get some leverage. And then if you want to do one of these shows, which again, I wouldn't recommend anybody take part in, Mm -hmm. but if you decided you wanted to do one of these, now you have some negotiating power. Maybe instead of just being another disposable contestant on this show, you're the host on this show and you, you know, and you have some, uh, you have some strength when you go to the bargaining table, you know, something like this should not, you know, a reality show like this, even if you wanted to do it, should not be the road to get to the top. It's something you do once you're there. Right. Because again, if you don't have any leverage, these things are so exploitative, you know, I mean, again, if you insist on being one of these shows, cause I just, they're just what's the track record that shows these things really even work terrible yeah that's one of the things that this person uh uh, says in the article i'm going to quote from here directly he says i hate reality competitions why well they promise you fame and fortune for pretentious drama but hey let me ask you something do you remember who played placed third or fourth uh who placed third in the fourth season of the voice what about who placed six on the last season of american idol yeah that's what i thought because guess what they thought they were special too (laughs) <laughs> think of all the people who were really really good on american idol mm-hmm. over the years and now think of how many of them you recognize today i mean that show has been on for more than a decade i think 15 years something like that it's been a long time yeah right and when you think about 15 years of of contestants they have a pretty terrible track record of making legit stars mm-hmm. i mean you get past kelly clarkson carrie underwood uh, chris daughtry uh maybe fantasia barino a little bit and you know, kind of Constantine and like the more you do it, the more, you know, Philip you, Phillips, you've like, already lost me I'm with saying, your fourth name. Right. And you have, <laughs> you have to struggle yeah. to find all these, all these new ones. And think of all the stars that just all the people on that show who didn't make them, you know, who didn't get anything out of their participation on that show. Yeah. But you know, who gets a lot out of the participations of that show, hmm. the judges. Yeah. The judges. Those are the, like, right. That's the only, like you want to make money on a reality show, be a host, be a judge. It's yeah. the only guaranteed money on that show. And, and the thing about them is they're already, you know, platinum selling recording artists with, you know, millions in the bank, major tours and are internationally known. That's right. You know, these shows despite the way they're built, are not designed to create stars. They're designed to take the three or four people who are already stars and, and build make them, them bigger stars. Yeah. Wow, wow. We, I think we just, stumbled upon, we just stumbled on this. The whole point of those shows is not you, folks. It's them. It's really not. It's really not. And you, know, you should check out this article in the, in the Music Think Tank blog. But still, you know, that's sad that after Adam Levine railed against this, and apparently, and we even said, like, okay, man, well, hey, you got your Adam Levine, you got some power. How about you do something? I guess he listened to the show. He's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate you, Adam. And um, he, he creates his own show, Song Cl- S- S- Songland. Songland. See? I, 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 do you think the producers are worried about this? Oh, yeah, we're, we're totally listening to Soundkick. Uh, I mean, Soundcloud. I mean, Songland. Yeah. <laughs> Candyland? What? No. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got this show and. Oh, by the way, just, I mean, he probably, just, he, I mean, who knows what he's doing if, if behind the scenes or whatnot, if it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, you guys do whatever you want. You know, that's sad. That stinks. You want him to be like in, in the room, like helping write the contracts? Not in the, writing the contracts, but be like, hey guys, you know, we, I've already identified this as an issue, so let's, you know, be more artist friendly. No. No, not that's, a chance. That sounds like complete and total bullcrap. 
And you know what the worst part about it is? Is that the way they're going to build this sh- build this show, it's going to be Adam Levine coming out and saying, I'm giving the artist the power. Uh, yeah, I know. There's, there'll be an asterisk right underneath or something. Adam Levine's not giving the artist the power. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Krista Hartman up next on the Break the Business podcast. Thanks for listening. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. She's an adult contemporary singer-songwriter originally from Peace River, Alberta, Canada. Fast Forward Weekly said of her that she has captured the sound of the whole world in her music. Her latest album, Constellations, was released late last year and is currently available on Bandcamp. Ladies and gentlemen, Krista Hartman is on the Break the Business Podcast. Krista, thanks for being on with us. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Um, it's great to have a singer-songwriter on the show. We haven't had one in a few weeks, Dave. No, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah it's just been a parade of just, you know, executive types. And now we get a we get a real musician back in here, get to hear some music again. Yeah, and not Itzva. And oh yeah, and yeah. not and not the uh, <laughs> not that heavy metal band we had a few weeks ago. Um, so Krista, tell us a little bit about your sound and maybe what got you into music. Right. Uh, well, I'd like to say that I am a, I've always called myself a dirty folk artist. I know that's kind of a funny way to put it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm a grassroots organic uh, singer songwriter based out of Alberta. And um, I'd like to think that my sound is kind of smoky uh, a little bit, I would say unrehearsed, but um Heartfelt at the same time, I really try to remain true to um, the vibe in which a song comes to me, and I don't try to mess with the process uh, of songwriting very much. I, I just like to have free flow of consciousness uh, when I write and let that come through in the songs and hopefully in the full production of, of how they sound, the end result out of the studio. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that songwriting process. It's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, you said in an interview once that you think of your songs as films. You called them sonic films. Uh, can you elaborate on that a bit? Uh, well, it's not something that I uh, decided um, on. You know, a lot of listeners that I've spoken with about my music, they tend to say that uh, they instantly get visual pictures and images uh, when they're listening to my songs. And I thought it was an interesting way to put it because I wasn't ever sure how to describe um, the songs that I've written in the past, you know, or continue to write. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, so you're based out of Calgary now. You originally uh, started in Peace River, uh at least from what Wikipedia tells us, a very small town in Canada, about 6,000 people. And, you know, Calgary, of course, is a much larger city, but, you know, 
is not one of the traditional hubs that at least we Americans would consider, you know, a big part of the industry. How have you been able to move your career forward and perhaps used modern technology um, to do that, despite being in a city not that's not New York or Los Angeles, for example? Oh, well, I think I've moved around a lot since high school. I was raised in Peace River, Alberta, but um, after that, I traveled all over the world um, as a busker and a backpacker. Uh, so I traveled through North America, uh, Australia. I've been to Asia as well. And it's through those um, connections with other people that I think uh, I was able to connect uh, musically speaking and I've always tried to just make uh, music part of my journey um, as a human being on this earth it's always been uh, I would say half of my life do you know what I'm saying and I've always just been willing to put myself out there uh, as hard as it can be at times and connect I think that's the most important thing uh, no matter where you are and the travels you've gone on to just connect with that audience. Um, you know, your, your story sounds pretty similar to a, a couple other artists we've interviewed that are also from non-traditional music cities. And they say that the, the way they bridge the gap is they, they travel a lot. They have experienced a good part of the world. They go to a lot of cities and it sounds like you're right in there in that tradition. Um, um, you're, you're, of course, a female singer-songwriter, and I imagine that presents a unique set of challenges uh, for you to overcome. And I know we have a lot of uh, female artists and singer-songwriters who listen to this show. Uh, can you talk about your experience as a female singer-songwriter and perhaps give some tips on how you've been able to uh, overcome the challenges that come with that? Right. Uh, I think... Throughout the, my career since 2005, there's been a lot of helpful male musicians in the industry, but unfortunately there's been a few that have, uh, you know, made making music a, a little uncomfortable. And I think if you're getting a bad feeling from somebody that you're working with, um, you need to get out of that sphere, whatever it may be, because uh, you can kind of get taken uh, advantage of um, if you're not smart about who it is you choose to spend your time with and your money with uh, and hopefully just keep your head on your shoulders you know I, I would say uh, trust your instincts no matter how famous or how um, accomplished uh, somebody might appear don't uh, don't let that overtake what your initial perception is of that person and don't try to get I, I would say don't be awestruck by anybody. Mm. I think that's very that's very important. And uh, it, it can take a long time to develop that kind of uh, security in your own judgment. I think sometimes if you really want something to happen in your music or uh, with, with a song or a producer, um, sometimes you might think about compromising what your initial judgment of a person is. But to be very, uh, very strict with with who it is you want to work with and professional as well. Without getting too personal and certainly without mentioning anybody's name, uh, can you perhaps uh, tell us an example of a situation where your instincts sort of told you to get out of a situation that might have been destructive had you stayed in? 
Yeah, it's happened more than a few times that My uh, goodness. you know, <laughs> you know that people invite you over and they want to co-rate and you think it might be a professional kind of meeting and you know, of course, maybe some people might prefer to write um, when they have a, a drink or two. And oh boy, uh oh. And and then things you know can quickly change gears from being professional songwriting meetings um, to all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, this person thinks they're on a date with me, and you know things can go in that direction pretty quickly. So I think it's really important to uh, decide when you're going to meet with people, you know, and try to work in the day daylight hours, I would say as much as possible. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? So reverse yeah. vampire rules with your uh, music career. <laughs> yeah. And it's not to say that things can't happen during the day, but I think there it's less likely that, that uh, those devious uh, people will try to, uh, change the gear on you you know what i'm saying uh, i'm a little shocked to find out that those people exist in canada I, I thought everybody in that country was just universally awesome no men are dogs <laughs> everywhere right oh yeah. <laughs> right um so no they're not i'm just kidding they're not dogs no there's, <laughs> there's a million men that i would you know that i've worked with that i you know have done amazing um you know when i've recorded with them and stuff like I would never take back um, the people that I've worked with in the past um, with the exception of a few I would call them dogs <laughs> <laughs> but always important to trust your instincts though that's great insight um yes. and another place where I would love to get your insight um, just from sort of surveying your career is you put out a music video recently for your song sunny days and this thing is really nice. It's really put well put together, right, Dave? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and just you know, it, it's it's well shot. There's good cuts. It's well edited. And I know there's a lot of folks listening out there who are you know looking to maybe put together their first polished music video. And uh, we're wondering if you could give them any tips on how to make something that looks something like your Sunny Days video. Oh, that's nice of you to say that you noticed and you watched. Um, I think there's a lot of film students uh, that are looking for projects and make sure that when you look at their work, you see something that resonates with you. Uh, I found a film student based out of New York City, and he was actually referred to me by a music industry contact. And I looked at his film reel, and I was extremely impressed with what he had done for a past American Idol contestant. And we connected, and we were able to film that video in New York. So I, yeah, I would recommend looking at people's reels before you work with them and making sure that you get a concept uh, for the film or the music video that you are working on and have your vision clear. So, you know, when you, when you find, when you find that director, make sure that you have something already communicated to them um, so that you can make sure that whatever your vision is, is carried out. That's right. Yes. And I mean, and, and, and you got a film student for this. That's, that's kind of a cool Avenue, I yeah. guess. Uh, presumably this would be somebody who's, who's going to be hungrier, who's going to be more likely to take your call and maybe not be as expensive as, you know, somebody who's been directing for a long time. That's right. Yes. That's a smart way to do it. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Krista Hartman. And, uh, and, sharp. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, actually, 
and see, I've got a question actually, sort of going back to something you said earlier. Whereas, you know, I guess you sort of, you see yourself in like stream of conscious, and you just you're very pure with the writing process. So then, how does that transfer, or that sort of frame of mind of just letting letting it flow out on the page? How does that then also uh, then go into the studio? Where obviously, I guess you know, you have different takes, and you, you know, there's polishing with it and everything. How do you sort of keep that, like, the rawness and realness of it, you know, transferring from the page to the actual final product? Right. So I like to use a voice video, uh, voice recorder uh, on my iPhone when I um, go into the writing process, and then hopefully, when I listen back, there's not a lot of editing that I would need to do. Um, a lot of times, a song, a full song, will come out um, from start to finish in that process. And then when I'm working with a producer, oftentimes. Uh, we might only do two or three takes. Um, they say usually the best take is the first take. So I usually like to stick to that um, kind of way of, of recording the vocals. And usually I think that you can kind of get that magic there, that uh, instinctual stream of consciousness that way. Um, yeah, not too much editing. Okay, that's cool. That probably also saves money on the time with the producer there. There you go, yeah. <laughs> right, but off, you know, if there's a certain, say, line or word that maybe you're tripping on, you know, you might have to to re-record that. But hopefully, you know, you take the longest possible best take of of a verse or whatever it is. You try to, to remain true to that. Cool. Right. She's known as One Take Hartman throughout Alberta. I didn't okay. know if you knew oh, that. Not, not really, but, <laughs> you know, we, I always find that when you're listening listening back, the more takes that you do, usually um, the, the further away you stray from the initial uh, magic that does happen in a vocal take. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, hopefully you stick to the first few. Um, I find is oh. often the trick. Well, oh. well. So, so that's, then you've got pretty good discipline then to, I guess, you know, sort of keep that, you know, in the back of your head, like, okay, you know, I'm not going to keep doing this forever and ever. It's like, I, you know, it, let me just go back to the first that that's the good. That's, that's, that's the pure vision I had in my head. Yeah. A lot of times. Yes. <laughs> a, lot if, of time. a lot of times because, but oftentimes I'm not the producer, right? So it's up to the producer to choose um, whatever it is. So whatever the producer does when I'm not looking or listening, you know, uh, they might take that home and then choose for themselves. But uh, I like to try to make sure that that they take uh, that those first few takes, you know. Yeah. And we'd as love much as I can try to control. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to show the listeners what the final product sounds like. Uh, we were going through your catalog, and the song that I think we were really falling in love with uh, is your uh, off your latest release is this song "Dreamcatcher," which uh, we've been listening to throughout the week and just enjoying it very, very much. And we wanted to play this on the podcast, but uh, before we do, uh, do you want to? Uh, Give a little bit of backstory on this song, what it's about, um, how it came to be. Sure. I was kind of going through a quarter-life crisis at the time. Uh, I was about to have a birthday, and I always find that week before a birthday, uh, isn't it just the worst? Yes. Or is it just is it just me? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, 
and uh, for, uh, I, I just turned 30, and so, uh, yeah, that week before 30 was... <laughs> well, see, I turned 30 also, but I went to Yosemite for my birthday, so the week before, I was like, let me... I want to guess. Yo, let me get there. Oh, so you, <laughs> you built, like, a fun activity around your 30, and so yes. it wasn't so bad for you, Dave. No, no, it was actually something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good to make something to look forward to, but sometimes, you know, you worry. Does anybody even know that I'm alive? Does anybody care, you know... Uh, about who I am and has, you know, anything I've ever done, you know, an existential crisis, essentially. And it was in that moment that Dreamcatcher was born. Um, I was really just feeling that kind of, what would we, I guess a vacancy. uh, And the song came to me and it wasn't just about, you know, myself, uh, it's also about other people, you know, trying to let other people uh, live the road that they're on and uh, detach from from people, you know, with a safe distance because everybody's road uh, has their own journey uh, and their own direction. And, the, you know, just allowing life to manifest what it should, what it needs to manifest for each to each their own. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, oh yeah, very much, and I think uh, the the, so- the recording itself will capture it all the more. So we're gonna play this now. This is Dreamcatcher off of Krista Hartman's latest release, Constellations, here on the Break the Business podcast.
That was Dream Catcher by Krista Hartman off her latest Constellations here on the Break the Business podcast. Thank you very much for letting us play that, Krista. Thank you for playing it. You know what I realize now? I, I've placed where I think I, I can almost I see it, where I see it in my mind. Yeah, it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, so like she is the song's playing while like some crazy like you know Tarantino scene of violence is happening in the background well, or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's like it just it seems like it fits. Like there's like a, even like a western motif. I don't know. All I know is it's beautiful and I love it. Yeah. Oh. That's high praise from Dave. Uh, he Thanks, Dave. He, oh, you're very welcome. He's always much tougher on the songs that are played on this show than I am. Um, and so to get praise from him is you know, the highest level of yes. adulation. You, you, you might as well just like make up like a little trophy and put it on your mantelpiece. You know, Dave's admiration. Yeah. It's all it's all downhill from here. Yeah, ne- <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, this you, you've you've reached your career peak, Krista. I hope you're all right with that. Like the, when Dave says, you know, he likes your your work. That's that's as good as it gets. <laughs> I really appreciate that, Dave. Honestly, uh, well, you're very welcome. Um, it, it has been a slice of heaven having you on the show, Krista. And before we let you go, um, we were wondering, uh, do you have any other final tips you want to give to indie artists out there to help them move their careers forward? Stay true to your art. That's the best mantra that maybe I could offer you. Uh, Try to stay true to it and don't let anybody try to tell you that you don't deserve to put your art out into the universe. Thanks for being on with us, and uh, we'd love to have you on again real soon. Thanks for having me, and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. (laughs) We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Krista Hartman for joining us in the previous segment. Get a copy of her album on Bandcamp. She's terrific. And I'll say it again. I love that song, Dreamcatcher. I cannot get it out of my head. If you don't ha- if you don't love that song, you don't have a heart. Yeah. And we hate you. Oh, absolutely. I'll say it. Yeah. Come right out with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah complain. What, what, what do you, who cares? You yeah. don't have a heart, guys. Clearly, your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, no. Th- uh, thank you very much, Krista. We'd love to have you on again. Uh, before we get cooking, let's. Uh, I got some housekeeping items before we get into the D block. I know you got some great fun for us, but we first, got some stuff, yeah. first, I want to shamelessly plug our friend. Oh, our friends, our friends, yes. So because they they were kind enough to shamelessly plug us. That's right. And so if you've been listening to this podcast, and if not, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Plus, why aren't you listening now? Well, are you are you listening? I, mean, now? I think I think by definition they'd have to be listening now. Anyway, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know of our friends, Evan and Elisa, who we've had on in previous episodes. They're a married couple. They're super great with pop culture. They're funny. They're interesting. And now they have their own podcast. They have their own show. Yeah, called The Honey Playlist. Um, It's just the two of them, and they just talk about pop culture, and they're cute and adorable, and they're so funny, and you can find their podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. They just got started, so you can get on the ground floor. Of First episode, yeah, and you know, they talk about the Super Bowl. It's great. They made me laugh quite a bit, and I even got a shout out. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they referenced our podcast, so we're trying to you know return the favor here. But no, but yeah. also me personally. Oh yeah, they did reference. Well, you. they talked about they, they were talking about the Metallica show and everything, and I was that friend that's traveled around and everything. There you go. Yeah. How and does it feel to get like a plug? It did feel good to get a plug, and Evan, I will say, I watched the show. It was a great show. I kind of I oh the Metallica I, show. I, I honestly I, I'm okay. I really don't see what you're nitpicking at, buddy. But uh, listen, I get it, man. You're, you're jealous of Metallica. That's fine. I do. I are, are we going to give any context to this? Well, the listeners should listen to their show. Oh, fair enough. They, That's the Honey playlist. The uh, Honey on playlist. iTunes and SoundCloud. They're super funny, and their theme song is really cute. Our theme song is just like stock music. They actually made their own because they're really talented the, singers. Their theme song is great. It, I'm noticing you're using "cute and adorable" a lot with them. They are cute and adorable. Okay. Are they right. not? Yeah, they're they're a wonderful and amazing couple and full of happiness and light and the world is, you know, brighter for them being in it. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the rest of the D block stuff, one last little quick piece of housekeeping. In our last episode, we had our little Grammy contest. Oh no. Uh, the Grammys have yet to air as of the time we're taping this, so next weekend we're gonna find out which of the two of us won our contest. What we did is we randomly drew Winners. Well, not, not randomly. I think you rigged it, but anyway. <laughs> out of a cup for the top four categories: record of the year, song of the year, album of the year, and best new artist. We each picked one winner out of a randomly out of a cup, and whoever gets the most wins on Grammy night, which is Monday, mm-hmm. um, will the loser has to write a rhyming ode to the winner and read it on the air. So, just as a quick recap uh, for record of the year. I drew Really Love by D'Angelo. You drew Thinking Out Out Loud by Ed Sheeran. Sheeran, I think you got a good chance there. That's the one category I think I have an advantage over you. (laughs) For album of the year, I have a kind of a kind of an underground album. Um, You know, it's bubbled up. You know, it's kind of only popular with like you know, sort of the you know more you know kind of you know. This is this is ninety at its its finest. I have nineteen eighty nine by Taylor Swift. Uh, You have Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes. Alabama Shakes is good. Yeah, you're going to lose. Um, I have Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Uh, you have Girl Crush by Little Big Town for Song of the Year. That's Song of the Year of those two. And finally, for Best New Artist, I have Sam Hunt, and you have Courtney Barnett. Best of luck, buddy. I I, I am wishing you all the best, and I hope uh, you do well. You know, there's nothing that says the ode has to be complimentary. I think it's it's an ode. It's it's an expression of affection. Don't try to find a loophole out of this just because you think you're going to lose. I wanted, to, I wanted to find some old D.H. Lawrence and Tennyson and see how how their odes are. Odes are expressing love and admiration. You can't go. You can't. Don't 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 change. The ode is has has worked for generations. Don't try to change it now. Can I tell you something really true? Yeah, I wrote an ode to Metallica in two thousand four as part of a creative writing class in college. I believe that. <laughs> now don't just don't just read that ode again and just change Metallica for Ryan. It wouldn't really make it well. It would be complimentary, that's for sure. But no, what I did was I wrote it using Metallica song lyrics as as the words. So you have some ode writing experience. That will serve you well when you have to write an ode about me when you lose this contest. Well, you know, or maybe the Grammy voters are tired of Taylor Swift, Ryan. Maybe they want to give someone else a chance, like Ryan Adams. All right, there's a guy that knows what he's doing. (laughs) I thought for sure you're gonna like just mention one of the people that you have nominated. Like they're gonna go with Alabama shakes. They're great. I, I mean, chocolate, vanilla, cookies and cream, strawberry shortcake. What? The Alabama shakes. Alabama shakes. 
Cookies and cream? Chocolate. Vanilla. Cookies and cream. Strawberry shortcake. Are you not getting this? No, I'm not. This is, wow, this is a weird moment for us. The Alabama shakes. Oh. <laughs> like shakes. What's a, a strawberry shortcake milkshake? I don't know. But like strawberry milkshake? Uh, you, you, I'm overanalyzing the joke. Now you've really made me feel self-conscious. Usually you get these things. I'm sorry. Normally I'm on the ball. I'm actually, is this the first bad joke I've ever told in my life? Well, ma- I'm 30 years old. This is the first of the snoozer. No, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. No, yeah, Maybe. you're right. Screw you. It was your fault. <laughs> the listeners well, the, are, are rolling in the floor wow, laughing right the now. The second I come to your age, you just throw me under the bus. That was weird. That was like the first disconnect we've ever had. I thought that was pretty obvious. Alabama shakes. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Thanks, Johnny. Or no, Doc. Doc was the band leader. Oh, you know what? Let's just move on. (laughs) Okay. Let's just move on. Okay. Okay. We're we're, we're drowning. What's the next story? What do you got? Oh, okay. Yeah. This is your block. This is the new block. All right. All right. All right. Sometimes you let me do it. Sometimes you don't let me do it. All right. We mentioned uh, before, this is Valentine's Day, right? Love is in the air and everything. What's a big part of Valentine's Day, Ryan? Love? Okay, what's another part of Valentine's Day? Cards. All right. Food. Okay. What? what, what, what are... Unreasonable expectations. That's true. Um, <laughs> what else does someone use to express their love for another one, Ryan? An ode, like the one you'll be reading me next week. I hate you. Love songs. Oh, love songs. That was going to be my next guess. Love songs, right? And uh, do you think it's easier nowadays to share, share love songs with people? I think so, right? Oh, yeah. Well, from Billboard magazine, it turns out they actually tracked um, what love songs have, or YouTube does, YouTube has tracked which love songs have increased traffic on Valentine's Day. And what that means is they looked to see what saw a 50% increase, at least 50%, right? A surge and people viewing these songs. So there are certain love songs that get a little Valentine's Day bump. They get a major bump, right? All right. Uh, they have 18 songs that saw an increase of at least 50% compared to the song's average daily views across January, March, April, and May of each year. All right? Okay. So what do you think maybe are some of these songs? Uh, that would be on that list? Yes. Uh, I Will Always Love You... By Whitney Houston. No. Maybe some Frank Sinatra standards. Not one single Frank Sinatra song. Really? Really? Maybe, maybe that's because like those are songs that just do well all year. And so you're not going to see a 50% bump. So it's got to be a song it's that's true. like that's you know not really known at all. But for some reason, it just Valentine's Day just brings people out to want to listen to that song. Well, on I'll YouTube. tell you, and this is interesting, obviously now YouTube, you know, it's the internet, it's worldwide. Ten of the songs aren't in English. Really? Seven are in Spanish, three are in Italian. And let me tell you, one of the English songs is Nat King Cole, L-O-V-E, you know, from 1964. The bell is for the way you look. Any more way to pay for it. Okay. (laughs) I don't think he's going to come after us. Oh. In 2012, that song saw a 550% spike in views on YouTube on Valentine's Day. Interesting thing, though, it goes down to 177% in 2015. Mm. That's interesting. Maybe it was in a movie or something. Or oh, it's commercial been a commercial or something like that. But that you have year. Stevie Wonder, I Just Called to Say I Love oh, You. Of course, yes. Of co- and you got two Barry Whites, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe, and You're the First, the Last, My Everything. Elton John, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? 
I yeah. can, especially because we're lions. Um, <laughs> Brian Adams, have you ever really loved a woman? Have you ever really loved a woman, Ryan? Have you? Um, or have you ever only loved yourself? See, I was going to make like a Brian Adams song lyric joke there, but then you just scared me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder how... Now, I wish they could like break down the Democrat, uh, Democratic demographic data right. and figure out how much of that boost in songs are people being like, oh, I'm going to play this song because I'm feeling love today. And I, maybe, I'm gonna, maybe I'll have my significant other with me. We're going to listen to this song together and feel more love for each other. How much of it, though, is single people playing these songs while crying? Ow. No, uh, okay. Speaking as a person that had spent uh, the n- last number of Valentine's Days You on know my what it's own. like to be a sad single person, Dave. Uh, can you pontificate oh, on yeah. that? Listen, I can tell you, coming from a person who knows total horrible depression, <laughs> let me tell you, man. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I never, ever did that. that okay. I, no, I was never like, you know, sitting in the dark, turning on the lamp on and off, <laughs> listening to some sort of like, you know, opera song or whatever. Um, no, no, no. I, 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 I steered clear of all Valentine's Day nonsense back when I was a single man. You, you just avoided it? Oh, I just avoided like, it. Like, what, 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 would, what would be something that single day would do on Valentine's Day? Um, nothing. <laughs> Other than that! Or, or some variation. Like, okay, what is like a, like a thing I, that you could say on the podcast that you would do on Valentine's Day? Okay, I'd, I'd curse all the happy people in the world. Yeah. Um, okay. Which yeah. That, that included you. No. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, nothing. 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 I'd probably go about my day, go to work, have lunch, have some dinner, and go to bed. And play Everybody Hurts by R.E.M.? No, but I would play metal. Metal. Lots of metal. Yes. But that just seems like that'd be a normal day for you. That's true. Yes. I. <laughs> yeah, and of course, then you, you, you text your other single friends like, Oh, this is it stupid Valentine's Day. Look at all these stupid people in relationships with their stupid smiles. The corporate Hallmark holiday. Yeah. Yeah, but just stupid people. But now it's okay. Now, 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 I'm on board. Now all the love songs make sense and... You know, the flowers bloom a little bigger and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, of course, yeah. My girlfriend... Miss you, Jen. I should say my... F- Aw. My fiancé, I should say. Woohoo! Oh, that's right, yeah. Okay. Wrong one. What? There it is. There we go. It's from China. And she... Is, I feel like she's finagling her Chinese heritage to get a second Valentine's Day. In our household, uh-huh. we celebrate the Valentine's Day that... You know, one that's coming up Sunday. Uh-huh. But also... Chinese Valentine's Day. There's a Chinese Valentine's uh, Day? She might be making it up. That's true. She might just be making up Chinese holidays to get more gifts, but no, there's a Chinese Valentine's Day. It's called Chi Chi. And so we celebrate two of these a year. I feel like I'm getting screwed. Is there a big Chi Chi card section in Hallmark stores and Publix and CVS? No, but when I. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> One time we had Chi Chi. We were going to go to dinner, and so we, we went to one of these restaurants. Like I can't, It was like you know Ruth Chris or one of those uh-huh. kind of steakhouses. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to say Ruth Chris because I don't think it was that one, but it was some, someone in that range. Right. And when you made the reservation online, it said, um, what, what um, how, you know, is it a special occasion? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the little box if you want to put something yeah. in there. Yeah, and so I wrote Chi Chi, and then in parentheses, <laughs> I put Chinese Valentine's Day. <laughs> 
And I could just imagine, like, you know, the maitre d' like in a panic, like, what, what are we supposed to do with this crap? Like, we don't have like the chi decorations ready to go. Right. And so we get there, and they have the uh, a card that says "Happy Anniversary." <laughs> you know, they, they took it. They, they they gave it their best shot. Like, at least they didn't like write like cross out anniversary and just write chi in there. But like, they were in the ballpark. At least they at least you know got right. that it was a love holiday. But they probably couldn't you know just put Happy Valentine's Day because they would figure that was offensive. Or maybe they just didn't have any Valentine's Day decorations up because it was in you know another month. Or like you said, your fiance, your beloved, is really pulling your leg. Just here. making up the holiday. Yeah. Has she told you there's any other Chinese variations and any other holidays? Come to think of it. Well, she did tell me that in China there are. Uh, eight birthdays a year that you have to give uh, your loved one gifts for. Okay, that's a that's a sign already. That's, that's a, sign. that that seems a little suspicious. Yeah. Um. Also, fourteen Christmases. Okay. Which seems pretty surprising because you know I didn't think that Christianity was a big deal there, but no, I don't think Mao was a big proponent of that. And and apparently once a week in China, there's just uh, give your uh, fiance jewelry day. You know, I mean, I thought that was pretty surprising. You'd think that would have been like the whole name of that holiday would be in Chinese, but no, she just told it to me right. in English. Well, at least, though, there's a definite ending for that holiday for you, because she's not going to be your fiancé. At some point, she's going to be your wife. Oh. Oh, no. But then there's Give Your Wife Jewelry Day, and that's every day. Oh, yeah. At I'm least also, according to what she told me. I'm a little me. bit suspicious of uh, Chinese Fourth of July Day. Because, <laughs> I mean, that... <laughs> Chinese really, President's Day. Yeah, that seems a little weird. It's like <laughs> Chinese Thomas Jefferson's birthday. <laughs> and all of them require gifts. Yeah. This is I, I, we get we, we need some investigation into this because I think you're being taken for a ride. Could be. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I'm looking on the I'm looking on the board here. We're, we're really doing this again. Wow. We know how to run a segment into the ground. Here we go. Now it's time for Dave's Metal Minute on the Break the Business Podcast. Yeah. That's right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to crush our enemies and drink from their blood and feast out of their skulls with Dave's Metal Minute. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, I am a little surprised that we're doing Metal Minute again so quickly. I figured we would you know, let it ruminate for a few weeks before we brought it back. We literally had 40,000 emails saying, bring it back the next day, Ryan. I don't think that's accurate. But I said literally, Ryan. That's the meaning of the word. That's true. That, that you, you did use the word literally correctly there, Metal Dave. It's good to see you again, Metal Dave. Thank you so much for coming back just one week later after we did this segment again. Happy Valentine's Day, Ryan. It's my favorite holiday. You want to know why? Why? What's the symbol of Valentine's Day, Ryan? I, I guess it'd be a heart. Yeah. And what is a heart full of? Blood. No, 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 Ryan, say it like this. Blood. I'm not going to say it like that. All right. All right. First bit of metal news. Oh, here we go. We're getting right into it. All right. The, sp- the, the flagship band of Dave's Metal Minute, Metallica, once again in the news. Sorry, I thought, you were, I thought you were like making a big statement there and you wanted me to go in with the sound effect. I tripped over you. I'm sorry there, Metal Dave. That, that's fine. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna have a book about Metallica come out from uh, Matt Taylor called Back to the Front. Oh, I didn't know you wanted me to do it there. Well, for all you Metallica heads out there, you know that Back to the Front is a lyric from uh, Disposable Heroes off the Master of Puppets album from 1986. I was gonna ask you about that, like what that meant, but yeah. yeah well, now you, you know. Thank you, you for know. explaining that to me. Back Metal to the Day. Front. Anyway, 
This is a book about the making of Master of Puppets. It's the 30th anniversary, Ryan. And uh, this guy is kind of having exclusive interviews, some really great photos. And this is going to be, I mean, if you are going to buy one music book this year, if there's one book about the music industry recording anything to do with the music industry, you will buy Metallica Back to the Front. If I may ask, Metal Dave, uh, maybe... Yeah. maybe <laughs> What's your question? Um, given what we're trying to do on this show, and, and you're, you know, you're kind of new to the show, admittedly, so maybe you don't know a lot of the stuff that we're, we're doing. We're trying right. to entertain, Ryan! A- agreed. And, you know, nobody's more entertaining than Metal Dave. Yep. <laughs> this is true. But um, a-, a big part of this show, Metal Dave, is a book that I'm writing called Break the Business. So all I'm saying is I'd appreciate it that you not tell people just to buy one metal book and have it, or one music book and have it be this uh, Metallica book. Maybe ask him to buy two books and have me be the second book. Well, I don't know, Ryan, what what, what if they got a fixed budget? No, I know it's tough out there. I agree. You know, there's, it's, it's hard to find the cash, but you know, maybe if they're on a fixed budget, they buy my book. Silence, Ryan. What did I say about watching the clipping, Metal Dave? Metallica, back to the front. All right. What else you got, Metal Dave? Next bit of news. ACDC have launched a branded line of bourbon and cola. Really? Yeah. And also found in this week's Metal Hammer magazine. It's a sort of a, also has a way to promote their new album, Rocker Bust. Oh, I'll, I'll say this, Metal Dave. You do a great job of citing your sources. You are a competent journalist. No, I I am nothing if not an ethical journalist, Ryan. In fact, I hear that I'm going to have a school of communication named after me soon. The Metal Dave School of Communication? Yep, that's going to be good stuff. Yeah. Um, does the does this uh, rum and cola or whatever it was, bourbon and cola, have a have a name? Um, hold on a second. <laughs> Metal Dave, this is the second week in a row you've had some phone problems. It's... Shut up. It's literally called ACDC Bourbon and Cola. Wow, they really uh, burned some calories on that yeah. name. You know what it tastes like, Ryan? What does it taste like? Blood. That would be a terrible taste for a cola. I, I feel like the, the, the cola scientist should go back and, you know, find a drink that doesn't taste like... Not for us, metalheads, Ryan. We're used to drinking blood, all right? You go in the pit and you freaking drink the blood of your enemies. Oh, Sorry. You're kind of slow today. Sorry, no, it's my fault, Metal Dave. You're on the top of your game, and uh, I'm This not... is true. This is always true, Riot. I'm on the top! What did I say about clipping? Just, you know, keep a consistent volume. You're going gonna to break my equipment. Well, once again, this is a plea to, to Josh to send another microphone. <laughs> Or whatever the company's name is. What's the company again? Audio-Technica. Audio-Technica. The first name in metal microphones. All right. You always have a third story. What's the third metal story this week? Oh, I got a story for you, Ryan. Okay. And it's going to shatter your soul and cause you to go insane. You're going to be living in a friggin' asylum, Ryan. Oh, that sounds really exciting. I'm glad you're saving the best for last, Metal Dave. Nothing but the best for you, Ryan, and your listeners. Are you? Are you uh, 
Are you still searching for it? Or do you have the story? I've got it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Metal Street. Dave should really print yeah. his articles out ahead of time. Straight out of Utah. One of the most metal states around. Oh, yeah. When I think metal, I think Utah. We got a guy here that that really wanted people to not feel left out of Valentine's Day, Ryan. Yeah. And this kid in high school, he bought 900 carnations and gave them to every single girl in his school, Ryan. And he said, I don't think anything can compare to seeing every girl in your life holding a flower as they walk through the halls. Uh, that seems like a very nice gesture. So this high school kid for Valentine's Day got a carnation for every girl in school. Yeah, I mean, 900 of them. That, it's a big school, it sounds like. I mean, he's, it's very nice, very magnanimous of this young man. Doesn't seem particularly metal. Oh, it's metal, Ryan, if you see what's going on underneath. Underneath giving a bunch of people carnations? What kind of friggin' freak gives 900 flowers to girls he doesn't even know, Ryan? This guy's an insane metal person. He wants to, like, friggin' do weird things to them, Ryan. Oh, oh. No, no, don't play that sound effect. What? No. Like, no. Why do you have to see the worst in this kid, Metal Dave? Why can't he just be doing something nice for all the ladies in his school? Ryan, have you ever given 10 flowers to girls you don't even know on the street? I rarely give 10 flowers to the girl I'm going to marry, but that's beside the point. Imagine now 900 flowers, Ryan. That's a lot of flowers. The only way it would have been even more metal than those 666 flowers. (laughs) Doing that joke again. It never gets old, Ryan. So anyway, we're hoping uh, (laughs) we see some really good stuff out of this kid. Maybe some really weird screwed up art one day. And uh, yeah, he seems like a perfectly nice kid, Metal Dave. Uh, Ryan, no, he's not a perfectly nice kid. Something I'm not, I don't know, if, does, does it sound like I'm trying to like, I feel like your voice is rubbing off of me because sometimes I'm talking like this now. Oh, what, what if the entire show is just you and me talking like this? Try it, buddy, try it. I really don't want to. Do it! Okay, like this? Is that what it sounds yeah, like? Yeah, we got Krista Hartman coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. We got a wonderful, she's out of Peace River, Ryan. Peace River! Alberta. And yeah. she's got a song called Dreamcatcher that's not metal at all, but it's gonna pretty soothe good. you. It's so soothing and relaxing, Ryan. I gotta ask you, Metal Dave. Yes. I just did that voice for four seconds, and I already feel like uh, I have laryngitis. How do you do that? Like, how do you have that voice all the time? The power of metal coursing through my soul, running through my veins, Ryan, pumping me like a freaking demon from the bowels of hell. Uh, thank you very much for sharing these stories, Metal Dave. I hope we have you on again, but maybe not one week after we had you on before. You actually said that to me, Ryan. You don't want me on the show anymore? That's not, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, we want to mix it up. We have all these great segments. I think Dave's Metal Minute, maybe have find a name on the, on the Honey Podcast. On the, wait, the Honey Playlist. The Honey Playlist. The Honey Playlist Podcast. Yeah, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to migrate over there. Okay, well, that's my time, folks. I will see you later, and we will mosh! So, I like that. The We Will Mosh is his sign-off. Apparently, yeah. I like that. Well, uh... Our thanks to Metal Dave for joining us. Yeah, that, that guy is a great guy. Yeah, he seems very nice. Mothers, <laughs> you should totally let him date your daughters. Metal Dave is single. No, no, I'm not. All right, never mind. It's, it's a joke. No, it just seems like, you know, he, I don't want him to be lonely on Valentine's Day.
I'm not lonely on Valentine's Day. I got my girlfriend Jennifer. I thought we were talking about Metal Dave. Wait, what? We're saying, you said Metal Dave, like, don't let him near your daughters. Oh. I thought these were different people. Isn't that like the whole bit? Is that like Metal Dave is somebody other than you, and then he leaves the room, and then you come back in? Actually, technically, wouldn't he be me, and this is now someone else? What? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that opened this Pandora's box, and now we're ending this show on this weird level. Or this weird place. I don't know. You know who doesn't have this problem? Evan and Elisa. Oh, yeah, that's a great show, Honey Podcast. Check it out. Yeah. Um, our thanks to Metal Dave. You're um, welcome, Ryan. Oh, he's back. Our thanks to Krista Hartman for joining us in the previous segment. Our thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you very much for taking part in the Break the Business Podcast. Mm-hmm.